This morning we're going to continue our series in Ecclesiastes, so if you can find that in your Bibles. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you that you are more than welcome to use, or maybe you have an app on your phone or some way to find the Scripture. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And Ecclesiastes is the grand experiment. You know, Solomon is trying to find meaning apart from God. That's the the grand experiment. And in the midst of the grand experiment, he's going to pursue several individual experiments. And the first one he tried last week was to look at nature under the sun with no view to eternity or the spiritual realm just nature under the sun, the earth, natural processes, and ask the question, can I find meaning here? And what he found is that, you know, the earth just keeps grinding forward. The sun rises, the sun sets, generations come and go. The earth keeps plowing forward. And he said, this is all vanity. It's just temporary. It's fleeting. There's no way to find meaning just, to, just looking at the earth. And so now he's going to turn his attention to knowledge and wisdom. And you may already know this, but the scientific name for the human species, and you all know this, it's Homo sapien, right? Homo sapien. But do you know what Homo sapien means? It's Latin for wise man. You know, man the knower. In other words, there's something innate within all of us that thirsts for knowledge. We're just born curious. We want to understand the world. We want to understand life. We want to know why we're here, where we're going, what happens after you die, what's the meaning of life. You know, dogs are not asking that question, right? They're just not asking that question. They're not waking up in the middle of the night thinking, what's going to happen when I die? That's just not coming, because they're not the same as we are. We're made in the image of God, and there's something innate within all of us we want to know. We're homo sapiens, wise man, man the knower. And in Ecclesiastes 12 through 18, Solomon is going to say, okay, let me see if I can find meaning by pursuing knowledge, and specifically knowledge under the sun. Knowledge under the sun of this world? Can I find meaning? And if anyone was qualified to do that, it's Solomon, right? In 1 Kings 4, 32-34, listen to his qualifications. Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. There are not many of us here that people would say, you know what, you know, the, the emperor of China or the president of China, for example, he's saying, you know, when I come to Augusta, I'm coming to your house because I've heard of your wisdom. You know, that's just not happening. But that was, that was Solomon. Solomon was so wise, and this is before the internet, people heard about him. 
And people came to hear the witness, just to sit and listen to Solomon because he was so knowledgeable of so many things. And you see it here. He spoke of trees and animals and reptiles and birds. I mean, he just knew, it seemed like he just knew it all. And he is the most qualified to pursue meaning and knowledge. If you can find meaning under the sun, in uh, knowledge under the sun, this man could do it. And so his question that he's going to ask is, can I find meaning in knowledge, in the pursuit of knowledge under the sun? Can we discover meaning through mathematics and philosophy and economics and biology and anthropology and science? He puts it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under the sun. And he uses those verbs to seek and to search out, which means I went, I went wide. I went wide. I went to several different disciplines and areas of knowledge. And then I went deep. I went wide and I went deep to try to find meaning under the sun. And what we find is that he is going to tell us, if you look at verses 12 through 18, Solomon shares his findings with us. He tells us that the quest for knowledge is a gift from God. For example, in verses 12 and 13, he says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom, all that is done under the sun. And then listen to what he says. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. So there's two parts to that statement. One is, Solomon now recognizes that this curiosity, this quest for knowledge, is a gift of God. God has made us this way. To try to find meaning, to search it out. And then Solomon says... When I try to do that under the sun, under heaven, it is an unhappy business. It's an unhappy business. It's a burdensome task. It's a grievous task. And so I want to show you two things from this passage. One is I want to show you what Solomon just stated, and that is knowledge can be a burdensome journey. And for those of you who are in school, you're probably thinking, amen, you know. You're right. Knowledge can be a burdensome journey. However, I also want to show you that knowledge, the quest for knowledge, can actually be a wonderful adventure as well. So first, let's look at how knowledge can be a burdensome journey. Verse 14, Solomon says, I have seen everything that is under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, a striving after the wind. So he says, I have pursued knowledge, and what I have found is, all is vanity. In other words, we looked at this word last week, which occurs, I think it's over 30-some times in this book. All is vanity, meaning all is fleeting. It's like a vapor. It's not permanent. And so I'm finding it very difficult to find meaning, permanent meaning, in these temporary things. It's vanity. And then he says, it's like, Chasing after the wind or feeding on the wind. Now, I don't know how many of you are going to go out to lunch today, but maybe you'll go out to lunch and you'll order your your meal. You'll say, I'll take a hamburger, 
with a side of wind. <laughs> no, you're not going to do that. Because wind is not very filling. So when you're hungry and you go out, you're going to order a hamburger. You're not going to order wind. And yet Solomon says, you know, when I try to find meaning by pursuing knowledge of this world, it's like feeding on wind. It's like chasing the wind. It's like grasping the wind. I mean, tell me how that goes for you. Try to catch it. It's gone. It's empty. It's, it's like a vapor. You can't hold on to it. There's no permanence there. There's no meaning. It leaves you empty. It's unable to fill you up. It can't satisfy your deepest longings. Even though we have this innate sense of, I have to, I'm curious, I want to know, I need to know. And yet you find out, when I try to limit myself to finding knowledge in this world and try to find meaning in this world, I'm left empty. I'm left longing. I'm feeding on wind. Before he died, the, the modernist poet Ezra Pound said, All my life I believed I knew something. But then, one strange day came when I realized that I knew nothing. Yes, I knew nothing. And so words became void of meaning. In other words, he's saying, I was growing in knowledge of the world and I thought I had it figured out to some degree and then I realized one day, I know nothing. And all is meaningless. The notorious atheist and evolutionist Richard Dawkins has concluded that human existence is neither good nor evil, neither kind nor cruel, but simply callous, indifferent to all suffering, lacking all purpose. And what he's doing is he's just saying that's the reality of the situation under the sun. If you limit your knowledge to what is under the sun without reaching up to God, if you just look at the world, you are left with the solution and the, and the uh, results of meaninglessness and despair. And so learning is a wonderful thing, but it cannot give you meaning. And so Solomon goes on to say in verse 15, he says, What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. And the message translation says it this way. Life's a corkscrew that can't be straightened, a minus that won't add up. And so what Solomon is getting at is he's saying no matter how much you know, you will never be able to fix all the problems. Now you can fix some things, but you cannot fix it all. There is a crookedness about the world. And there's a crookedness about you and there's a crookedness about me. And no matter how much you know, you will not fix it. You cannot make it straight. This is Solomon. He says, I know all these things, but I know one thing, and that is, I can't figure it out. I can't find meaning in this life because this life is crooked. And it cannot be straightened out. It's like a corkscrew. I can't straighten it out. I can't figure it out. And then he says, what is lacking cannot be counted. 
I don't know if you guys have ever done this, if you all have ever done this, where you, you needed a rope, and so you cut a piece of rope to do a project, and you put it together, and then you realize, oh, I cut it too short. Has that ever happened to you? I hate when that happens. It's like you cut it too short, and you're trying to bring it together, and you're trying to say, I can do it, I can try to, I can fix it. And you just can't bridge the gap. And that's what Solomon says. I know all these things about the world, all these different subjects, but there is a gap that I cannot piece together in my knowledge. It's a minus that just, it just will not add up. And he's saying no matter how much you know, there are some things that cannot be fixed or answered. And he's saying, and tell me if, if you believe this to be true, the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. Right? The more you grow in knowledge, the more you realize you don't know. T.S. Eliot said it this way in Choruses from the Rock. He said, all our knowledge brings us nearer our ignorance. That is a true statement. The more you know, the more you realize that you don't know everything and you are actually very, very ignorant when it comes to the knowledge of all things. And this is what Solomon's saying, that a knowledge apart from God cannot answer the big questions in life such as why you are here, how should you live, and where you're going. Purpose meaning you cannot figure that out by just looking at the created world. And then he goes on to say in verses 16 through 18, He said, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. So what he's saying is, he's the professor, right? He's the intellectual. He, he has applied himself to knowledge to try to seek meaning. And then he also says, I also tried the other side of things, and that is madness and folly. Ignorance. And he says, whether you are the intellectual elite, or you are an uneducated person on the street, his conclusion is the same, and that is, I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. Grasping the wind, feeding on the wind. There's nothing of substance there. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, For in much wisdom is much, is much vexation, which means worry or annoyance. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So here Solomon tells us something about the vanity of earthly knowledge and wisdom. He says, For in much wisdom is much vexation. Tell me if you've experienced this. Maybe you have your favorite uh, news show that you like to watch. And so maybe you watch it every day because we get news like 24-7 now. And so all the news from all around the world streaming through our televisions and we're watching it. And maybe you have a news show you watch every night. Have you ever found though that after a little while you just get frustrated and anxious and annoyed 
That's what I see in my own life. If I watch too much news, I start getting a little short-tempered, frustrated. And the reason is, is because I'm just being bombarded with all the problems of the world. And that's what Solomon's saying. He says, in much wisdom, there is much vexation. In other words, the more you know about the world, the more annoyed you're going to be with the world, and the more you're going to worry about. And then he goes on to say, he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. You know, there's a condition called uh, compassion fatigue. Have you heard about this? Compassion fatigue. It's what you experience when you, you are just bombarded with so much of the sin and brokenness of the world. And you're just hearing all about the brokenness and the sin of the world where it's hard for you to even respond with any type of care and concern because you've just received so much. It's almost paralyzing. And that's what Solomon's saying. He says, when you increase in knowledge, your sorrow increases. Because you're you're learning all about the brokenness and the sin all around the world. And it's almost just too much to handle. And that's why we say the phrase, ignorance is bliss. You know, Solomon said this thousands of years ago. The more you increase in knowledge, the more sorrow you have. Because you realize this world is not going to fix itself. It's not going to do it. And you may have an impact and have a positive influence on the world, but then you're going to die. And it's like planting a garden. You may plant it and de-weed it, but then guess what happens when you leave? Weeds grow up again. And he looks at the world and he says, it's vanity. I can't figure this out. I can't get control over it. Over it. And if you've taken an honest look at your life, you know this to be true. You cannot control it. It's out of your control. It is crooked. You cannot put it straight. There's a gap. And in much wisdom, there is vexation and sorrow. And so we realize this, this world just keeps moving along with or without us. And you realize there's more problems out there than we could possibly ever solve. And knowledge leads to worry. Knowledge leads to annoyance. And knowledge like work now is a, it's a wonderful thing. But it's unable to satisfy your soul and the deepest longings, that innate curiosity that you have that's God-given. You cannot satisfy that by just looking at this world. So the quest for knowledge can be a burdensome journey, according to Solomon. However, I want to show you that when we seek knowledge of this world in connection with knowledge of God... The quest for knowledge can be a wonderful adventure and a beautiful thing. In another place in the scripture, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. George Herbert once said, Knowledge is but folly, knowledge is but folly unless guided by grace. Knowledge is but folly unless it is guided by grace. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So when we seek the Lord and to know Him, then the knowledge of the world and the quest for that knowledge becomes a wonderful adventure. Because we're not trying to 
to pull meaning out of this knowledge that we're trying to accumulate in the world, which it can never deliver on. Because our meaning is tied to the knowledge of God. And therefore we can enjoy and use and appreciate the knowledge of the world the way it's meant to be enjoyed and appreciated and used. Because God is the one who holds all things together. And so when we try to break out and create our own reality with our own knowledge, it leads to desperation and despair. And this is why you see many people, especially poets, musicians, people that have this knack for diving into the human experience, when they are separated from God and they, and they take God out of the equation, they end up in despair and hopelessness. And many even take their own lives because they realize there's no meaning here apart from God in this world. But yet, if our knowledge is first connected to the Lord, then we see meaning flowing from Him. And we're not trying to extract meaning from the things of the earth. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. What do you think he's going to say? Let him boast in this. That he understands and knows me. Is what God says. Let him him boast in that. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And then listen to how the Apostle Paul describes wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20-25. through 25. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It's almost as if Paul read Ecclesiastes. The world does not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who, we, who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So what's the point? The point is, knowledge apart from Christ leads to despair and meaninglessness. It's just unable to deliver. It's like chasing after the wind. You cannot straighten what's crooked. You can't fill in the gaps. And it's only through knowing God that life makes sense. And Paul is very clear that the way you know God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And in Colossians 2, verse 3, Paul says this. He says, In Him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so if all the treasures of of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, doesn't it make sense then that in order to 
enjoy knowledge, be satisfied with who God is and, and, who, and how we know God through Jesus Christ, doesn't it make sense then that we would first go to Christ before we go to the things of the world? Because it's through the lens of knowing God that we understand the world. And that we can enjoy this quest of knowledge and enjoy learning and seek to use our learning to combat the effects of sin in the world for the glory of God and to help people know God. So Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so if you want the quest of knowledge to be a wonderful journey instead of a burdensome task, then the Bible is very clear. And that is, you must first know the Lord. And the way you know the Lord is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's turning from trying to find your satisfaction in this life, in this world, and seeking to find your satisfaction through faith in Jesus. And when you have Christ, then you can turn back to the world and enjoy the things of the world, the knowledge that can be accumulated in the world, and use it for the purposes of God and the good of people. Let us pray. God, that's our prayer, that we would know You. You tell us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We must first consider what we know about You and how we know You if we are going to approach the knowledge of this world rightly. Lord, I pray for every person here. I pray that they would know You. If they don't know You, I pray they'd place their faith in Jesus and seek to know You. And for those of us who do know You, God, would You put us even more passionately on mission for You to use the gifts and abilities You've, you've given us as doctors and lawyers and business people and teachers and husbands and wives and uh, architects and um, just all the different talents and abilities, musicians, just everything You've given us, Lord, help us to use this knowledge that we have first of You and then of these other things to bless people and ultimately point them to You. Lord, we pray again for Bob and the sons of Jubal as they seek to use their knowledge of music and singing. Use the instruments of their voice not to find meaning for themselves. Their meaning is, is found in their relationship with You through Jesus Christ and they want others to know You. And they're going to use their knowledge of music and song to proclaim Your goodness. And Lord, I pray no matter where we go, what we do, what we say, that that would be our motivation as well. That through our work and through our words, that we would be seeking to proclaim the knowledge of Jesus Christ to the world. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.